0: terrible at this most of, if not my whole life. Uh, I even remember my high school graduation. You get gifts for your high school graduation. My mom, like, forced me to sit down and do it, because I just kept forgetting. It's not that I didn't care. It's just one of those things that wasn't on my radar. Um, And, and, you know, I got to say that, like, the worst ones to write would be after you have a baby. We had four babies in eight years, and so you get things, and you get gifts given to you, and I got to be honest, the worst time to try to write a thank you note is is those times when you're on less sleep than you've ever had, you're busier in doing things that, you know, you maybe didn't anticipate parenthood would bring um, to you, and at the same time, you've got to sit down and write a paragraph about how this burp cloth is going to make a difference in your life, and while it might be making a difference in your life at that time because you're being barfed on... um, It's not really something that you're like, hey, let me sit down and and write this. Um, And so I guess I'll just say this, is that if you've given me and my wife, our family something, um, thank you, and I apologize, we're just not great at showing it in writing. Um, I would much rather just give you a hug and tell you thank you to your face, um, because I guess I'm just insensitive in that way. But um, but (laughs) I heard that. But, you know, part of my problem with writing a thank you note is the idea of what am I going to say? What do you say? A blank page has never really scared me as an artist. I kind of like the blank page to be able to just sort of create whatever I want. Um, And even writing papers or writing, uh, you know, messages and such, it's not that intimidating. But when it comes to a thank you note, it kind of is. Because you're like, well, what do I say here that can be maybe uh, important and add value? And so you end up just kind of doing what everyone does, which is the template you know, if you've ever gotten a thank you note from a wedding, you can tell that, like, they wrote the exact same thing to every person. Thank you so much for the blank. This will help us as we move forward in our marriage. And then they just, and, and you know, you're filling the blank with, like, Cole's gift card. And you're like, okay, great. Um, and, and I appreciate that. You know, we appreciate the fact that they do it. But I got to be honest. When we got married, um, the thing that they do now is they take, like, they'll take a picture, right, of the bride and groom, like, holding a sign that says thank you and they're like all that, and then they send out like these postcards. I'm a little miffed by that, to be honest, because that's kind of cheating. I didn't get to do that. <laughs> so some of you that, get, that got to do that, props to you. But it was, you know, it's actually really smart uh, with digital technology and stuff the way that we've got it today, but that's beside the point. The thing is, sometimes it's really hard when you're writing a thank you note to figure out what to say. And the Apostle Paul actually had i think the exact same problem which is why philippians 4 is about the only time that you will see in all of the epistles that he wrote of him saying thank you and it's interesting because in that day when you were to write letters and such to people it was customary to finish your letter with a thank you and he never really did that other than this one time in fact Quite frankly, Philippians is different from any of the other epistles that he wrote because it's the only time that he wrote a letter specifically to a church that he didn't like take them to the woodshed and like, tell them what they were doing wrong and, and help them to fix it. This particular letter is a really positive letter in that regard, yet there are still some things that we can learn from it because he, this is basically his thank you note. This is Paul's thank you note to a church that had met his physical, financial needs while he was in prison Um, and so what we're really talking about here today are two words so your first two fill-ins would be this gratitude and generosity gratitude and generosity paul wrote this book after he had received a very sizable gift from a church in philippi he'd been arrested for preaching the gospel preaching about Jesus, and he's under house arrest here now, on trial, or waiting to go to trial before Caesar. And so he's, he's in, in prison, if you will. And in that day, this isn't really like spelled out here, because the people of the day knew this, but in that day, when, when you were arrested and you were in prison, your well-being, you had to, had to be paid for. Like somebody had to pay to take care of you. They didn't care, they didn't feed you, they didn't bring you three meals a day and give you weights. Like, they didn't care. They would just bring, they would just throw you in prison and leave you there. And if you starve to death, whatever. People had to pay to be in prison. You had to be kind of taken care of. And so this particular letter is really Paul, at the end of this, thanking them. Um, because the church at Philippi had, had sent Paul everything that he needed to take care of him while he was in jail. And so the passage we're going to look at here in Philippians 4 uh, comes at the, at the end of the book, and, uh, and we're going to look at Paul's gratitude, and we're going to look at, at the generosity of the Philippian church and the things that we can learn from there. So first we're going to look at Paul's gratitude, and we're going to start in verse 10. Philippians 4, verse 10 is where we're going to start here. So he says this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. So it's Paul, the thought that they were even thinking of him brought him great joy um, because none of the other churches helped him out, as we'll see as we go a little bit further down here. But the thoughts and prayers, if you will, were awesome and great and needed, all of those things. But this church at Philippi gave him a sizable gift to take care of him, and he was not just thankful to them, but it says he was rejoicing in the Lord because of it. He's thankful that God would put people in his life like them to help take care of him, which brings me to the first, or well, the next, to fill-in, if you will, for you this morning, and that's this. Being confident in God equals confidence in God's people. Being confident in God equals confidence in God's people. Why is this important? We're living in a time right now where more and more people <laughs> believe and are saying that they don't need to be involved in church, that they don't need to be involved in church to have a strong relationship with God. In fact, statistically speaking, by the year 2050, they're saying if trends continue the way that they are, that you're going to have 50% less people attending church on a regular basis by 2050 than there are right now across the nation, statistically speaking. That's a sobering and scary thought, especially when you think about the antithesis of that and even what we just talked about in, uh, in the last series that, that I was preaching on a, called You Matter and how much you matter, we as the church matter to what God wants to do because Philippians 4.10 is really a reminder that the will of God is accomplished through the church. That is God's chosen vehicle for accomplishing his will. It's through the church. It's through you and through me. And so being a part of a church is incredibly important. And having confidence in God's people, we can because we are confident in in our God. Paul was thankful for the gift and that God had encouraged the people to send it to him. But see, that's why being committed to and part of a church is more important now than ever. Connect 101, the class that's happening on December 15th, if you're not connected and, and part of a church family, we would love to have you be a part of that. I'll be, I'll be teaching it myself um, to, for you to really see what, what we're all about and what it means to be an active participant of Connect Church as opposed to a passive spectator. Moving forward, that's where we need to go. And so Paul continues in his gratitude here as we go to verse 11. He says this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content whatever circumstances, which is interesting because he's sitting in prison, right? Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. See, Paul was not claiming self-sufficiency here. He wasn't saying, I can can do this all on my own. Uh, In fact, it was actually the opposite, He wasn't saying, I've got it all together because I'm Paul, didn't you know? He was saying, I literally can't do any of this without God, which is why when we get to verse 13 here, which is one of the most uh, taken out of context verses in the Bible that's used in, in motivation and stuff like that for sports, which is fine. But if you put it in context as we're looking at it today, you can see that it's really not about those things at all. It's not about giving you the power to throw a touchdown. It's really about the complete opposite. It's about giving up everything because God is going to be able to do all of it. When it says here, I can do all all this through him who gives me strength in Philippians 4.13. Take a look at this video. Gratitude changes everything. That's your next fill-in, is the word everything. Maybe you didn't know this week is Thanksgiving. I'm sure you've heard that and you're aware of that. But let me challenge you as we're going into this week to think about Thanksgiving from a gratitude uh, perspective because our attitude, our perspective on God's work in our life, our generosity, and the way that we treat others, all of that changes through the lens Of gratitude if we have an attitude of gratitude if you will for what God has done in our life and so let me ask you this question are you are you content in your life that's a that's a tough question are you content in your life and I would say that your generosity is directly linked to the answer to that question why is that that's our next fill-in as we talk about generosity here for a minute, is that godly generosity is directly linked to contentment. Godly generosity is directly linked to contentment. The essence of that video is really the word contentment. The generosity of the Philippians in this this passage here had everything to do with their level of contentment. They were content with who they were, where, where God had them, which is why they were able to be generous and help out. Paul, none of the other churches did, as we see here. Look in verse 14, as we continue down the, pa- the passage here. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. See, this wasn't the first time that this church in Philippi had helped him out or met any of his needs. They were constantly generous to him. And this was unique of the New Testament churches, obviously, because none of the others supported him. At least not in the way that the Philippians did. All the churches knew he needed help. All the churches knew he was in prison, They didn't do anything. The Philippians were incredibly generous here. Verse 17 says, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Boy, what a perspective for him to have. Not only is he saying thank you, but he's like, My desire is not even necessarily for your gifts to keep on coming in for me, but so that more can be credited to your account. What does he mean by that? He was appreciative because it met his immediate needs. And as generous as the Philippians were here, it it wasn't just about this moment. And that's a thing that I think we, we don't always think about. Contentment and generosity when it comes to the kingdom of God is about so much more than just this moment, this momentary need. Paul knew it was much bigger than that. It was about the future. It was about much more than that. It was about the churches that would be started because Paul lived through this time in prison. It was about the fact that because of that, Christ would be preached to Caesar himself and all that would be able to be accomplished. The fact that he wrote this letter that we're sitting here right now studying this book 2,000 plus years later, right, more would be credited to your account. Paul said, I don't desire your gifts, I desire that your account would be credited for the good of the things that your gifts bring. It was about so much more than that moment. It was about what God could accomplish because he was able to make it through that moment. See, gratitude and generosity on the surface seem like something that is uh, almost required of us or something that is forced out of us. That God is like, forcing this out. Well, I'm a Christian, so I guess I have to have gratitude and I have to be generous. And when we look at it that way, that's not the right way to look at it at all because we're looking at it as something that, that that we have to do. Like when I won't let Wilson or Lincoln have a cookie or a piece of candy until they say please and thank you. Or when you're walking out of the grocery store and the person standing there ringing the bell, giving you the stink eye until you throw some change in the bucket, right? And we look at it from that perspective. Don't get me wrong. We should probably, we should give to all of that. So don't, don't take that wrong. Um, That's on that person. Um, But, (laughs) but you know what I mean, right? We look at it that way. We see these words and we think, oh, well, I guess I have to do that. And I guess that's something that I, I should be a part of um, if I'm going to wear the label, if you will. But that, that's totally the wrong way to look at it. Because so often when we think about those things, we think about this, this is something God wants from us, when in fact, it's quite the opposite because they're really all about what God wants for us. They're really all about what God wants for us. And that's the connection point for the day, is that gratitude and generosity are all about what God wants for us. As we're going into this week of giving thanks, and then into this Christmas season as well, these are, this is the time of year where these two things actually seem to come maybe a little bit easier because they're more in the forefront, yet in many ways they cause a whole lot of stress. Um, but gratitude and generosity are all about what God wants for us. God, God wants us to say, I can't do this on my own strength. I need you, Lord, to give me the strength to get through what I'm going through and and he wants us to be generous, not just so that he'll meet our momentary need, but so that exponentially more will be credited to your account. Not just so that we can get through the day. Not just so we can, we can build another building so that we can say, wow, look at our building. But so that we can have that building so that more people will come to know Jesus. Jesus so that our students can have a place that they can invite their friends to so that more students can come to know Jesus, so that we can have a multi-purpose room where we can do different things, where people will be able to, some more community events and such, so that people can come to know Jesus, not just so that we can have a really pretty building. We don't give to things like the one-at-a-time offering that we're doing after, uh, at the end of this service on your way out just so that we can say, look, look, what I, look what we gave, but so that God can take something and do something with it to reach people for Jesus. Same with Operation Christmas Child. It's awesome to be able to celebrate what God's done with it, but the biggest win, as Carolyn was talking about, that is the gospel presentations that are going to be happening out there. That's what this is all about when I say that it's what he wants for us it's not what he wants from us and so Paul ends this passage that we've looked at with a promise but not a promise that's good for everyone it's 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 a promise for all people that have been generous time and time again and he says this and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I think it means something like this. Say you're walking down the street and you see someone crossing the street and you see a car or a truck bearing down on them and you know they're about to get smeared and you decide I'm gonna jump in front of them and, and I'm gonna save that person and you knock them out of the way and you knock them down and you save their life. Person rolls over and stands up and they look at you and it's Bill Gates. And you're like, good grief. Now, if you don't know and you live under a rock, Bill Gates is one of the richest people on earth. Top three, if not the richest. So Bill Gates stands up and says, wow, thank you. And he gets his wallet out and he gives you a nice crisp 20 and walks away. And you're like, Cool. Now, is he giving according to his riches? He's not. You'd be disappointed, rightfully so, you know. You'd be a little disappointed there. But what if instead he turns around and says, you know what? Your house, your cars, your college tuition, your future college tuition, it's all gone. I took care of it. And you're like, no, that's more like it. Right. <laughs> granted he could find that money in his couch <laughs> at the same time though that's what God wants to meet our needs with because he's God and he, his riches go far beyond what we can imagine and I'm not just talking monetarily if you think I'm talking prosperity gospel here you're completely missing the point because God's perspective on what glory and riches are is not the same as ours We see glory and riches in in the frame of monetary value. And that's not the way that God sees it. Not at all. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But we get to be a part of that. Not only for what God wants to do now, but what God wants to do in the future. But it starts with being grateful. It starts with being generous. This is the word of God. Remember the riches and glory of God look different to him than they do to us. God wants to do something amazing moving forward in the future, not, not just in your life, not just in Connect Church. Both of those things are true. But even for the greater glory of God. And it could start with something as simple as, being, as having gratitude and being generous. God was so generous with us. Jesus gave according to his riches. Think about that. He was God, and he gave you everything. Shed his blood, covered your sin that you couldn't take care of on your own, that I couldn't take care of on my own. It took a perfect person who was willing to give everything for you and for me so that we could be a part of the riches of God. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Would you bow your heads with me? And stand, if you could, as we are gonna worship here. But let me ask you this question here. With your heads bowed. How can you be grateful and generous in this next week? As I mentioned, we have an opportunity this week and this coming season that we're entering into. To be generous, to be grateful, to show gratitude with the riches that God has given us. How can you show the love of Christ with your actions and not just your words? See, being a follower of Christ is so much more than just the things we say. It's about the way we live out our lives. God was so generous and gracious that he gave everything so that you can live in eternity with him and if you're not 100% sure of that, let me tell you that you can walk out today being 100% sure that our good father loves you so much and wants you to know that for sure. Jesus, I love you, Lord, and I thank you, God, for your love for us. God, I thank you that you love us so much that you gave us everything. God, I pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, that today might be the day that they make that decision, that they make that commitment to give their life to you. God, help us as we go out this week to go, to go out with an attitude of gratefulness and looking for opportunities to be generous because it represents you, God, and it could have such a huge difference on what happens in the future growing your kingdom. God, you are so good. We love you in Jesus' name.